Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Listen, I want to talk briefly uh, today. We're on this series that we've been talking about for quite a while called Preparing a Dwelling Place. Amen. And we want to get into this a little bit. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, we get excited when we open the Bibles because we believe it is the living Word of God. So if you've got them, let's open them up this morning to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Exodus 29, preparing a dwelling place for the Lord. We're desiring to go beyond mere religion and the comforts of churchianity to pursue the manifest glory of God. We want more of Him. The Bible says this in Psalm 26, 8. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Now, this is not just in church services. This is not just about church. It's something about, you know, in the New Testament, He dwells in temples not made by hands. So it's not just about a place where we go, but I'm just saying, while we're gathering, let's don't just gather around some songs and a good talk. Let's gather around the presence of God. That we're going after him because you, you need him. I need him. We want to experience him and encounter him. So in Exodus 29, we've been talking about preparing a dwelling place. And I'm going to read verse 38, and then we're going to launch into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're ready, say amen. amen. All right, verse 38 says, now this is what you, look at your neighbor and say he's talking about you. This is what you shall offer on the altar. It's what you shall offer, not your neighbor shall offer, not the crazy people up front shall offer. This is what you shall offer. No matter where you're seated, no matter where you're watching from, no matter whether you're in a room or whether you're driving in your car, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. We talked about three things in this scripture about preparing a dwelling place for God. The first thing is you shall offer. It's about an offering. We need, to re- we need to give God an offering. We offer our hearts to him. He doesn't take them from us. We offer it to him. We give him something. We come to church to give him something, not to just receive something. Second thing we talked about is uh, required here is you offer it on the altar. We just sang about that. I will live on the altar. I will live on the altar. That word altar there represents sacrifice. We will offer our sacrifice. So it's not about us. It's about Jesus and living for him. The Bible says in Matthew 20, or 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what to himself? Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The lost message in the Christian church is the crucified life. It's the lost message. We want to go to churches where a pastor is going to hype me up and tell me how to make my life better instead of telling me how to die and live for Jesus. How can I get along better? How can I feel better about myself? How can I feel better about my life? That's what they want to hear, something to pump up my soul. But the lost message of the Bible is the crucified life that if I want to follow after him, i got to deny myself, lay down my life, take up my cross, and follow him. Third point, laid it there, you'll offer on the altar two lambs of the first year day by day continually. Here's the third point is consistency. Consistency, do it continually. 
constantly, regularly, perpetually, never stopping. This is the kind of life Jesus wants us to live for him, a continual, consistent life. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to see how to do that to the best of our abilities in the time that we have available. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Consistency is the point we're going to focus on today. We read this scripture last week, uh, maybe the week before as well, but we're just going to hit a little bit and then jump right into 58. Verse 57 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Is everybody ready? Let me stop right there and let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just yield the floor to you that the word of life will come. Lord, I pray for Rhema. I pray for your voice to speak into hearts, that it not just be a talk by Chad, not just be a sermon, not just be a message, not be whatever we want to call it, but Lord, I pray that the living word of God will cut to our hearts and draw us to you. I give you the glory for it ahead of time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 57. It says, but thanks be to who? Thanks be to God. Thanks means I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to respond to him. I'm going to give him gratitude for something I don't deserve. Thanks be to God who gives us, who gives it to us, provides to us, bestows to us, delivers to us the victory. What did we say a victory was? Victory means to have conquered a successful ending of a struggle or military conquest. Thanks be to God who gives us the successful ending of our struggles, of a military conquest that we're going through. How does he give us this victory? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's what I want to focus on as we go into 58. When it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory, it's important for, for me to understand where that victory comes through or how it comes to me. The word, the word through there means the means by which something. So the focus of through him, if you underline those, those uh, words, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him. Here's what that, I want to emphasize this point. It is the relational connection more than what flows through the relational connection. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory in my life, gives me, excuse me, successful ending to military struggle or military conquest. Thanks be to God who gives me victory in my life through my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, the emphasis is on my connection to him relationally, not just what he does for me through that relationship. Here's why that's important. If not then if I don't need anything, I will not prioritize the connection. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory through or connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I get all my victories in life is by being connected to Jesus. If I think my victory is something separate from Jesus, but it comes through Jesus, then if I think I don't need anything, then I will think I don't need Jesus. But when I know the connection to him is the means by which everything good will come to me in my life, I value the connection more than anything else. Do, do we not do that? That if nothing's going wrong, no major crisis, we don't need to pray. If nothing major is going on, why do I need to read my Bible? 
I've got a job. I've got money. I've got friends. My life's going. I don't need Jesus. That's the reality of humanity. That's what, that's what we will all gravitate towards. We will gravitate towards self-dependence. We mistakenly think the strategy of the, of the devil is to get us to worship him. It is not. It is to get us to do what he did, and that's worship ourselves. The strategy of the devil has always been exalting himself. Isaiah, he has all the I wills. I will, I will, I will. So what does he do? He is a master tempter. I mean, he is a master deceiver. So sometimes people think he's master deception is to get you to worship him. No, 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 no. The master deception is to get you to worship you. That's how he wins. He doesn't win by getting us to bow down and say, I love Satan. I love Satan. Bring me a goat. He gets me me by saying, Chad, you don't need God today. You've got this. You're you're good, man. You got money in the bank. Everything's going smooth. You don't need to get up and pray and read your Bible. There's nothing going wrong. Just go on. Just enjoy yourself. This is his goal. So in that, because... (laughs) The connection to Jesus, here's how I see it. The connection to Jesus is so valuable. We have been deceived to think mm, that when I'm really missing God, it's because I've not only just disconnected to Jesus, but I've connected to the devil. I wanted to bring something to make this visual, but I I didn't think I was going to be speaking today, so I didn't prepare it out. We're supposed to have a guest speaker today. I found out yesterday, you know, Friday night he wasn't coming. So in season and out of season, be ready to go. So it's like my mind will think the problem is, is if I really get connected to the devil and I start doing all these bad things, the problem is when we disconnect from Jesus and we're just hanging open. I don't have to connect to anything bad. All I have to do is disconnect from Jesus. The moment I disconnect from him, there's a vacuum opening and anything can get in there. But once I'm, when I'm connected to him, nothing can get in but him. But when we break fellowship with Jesus, we just sit there open and we think nothing's major wrong. It's not like I'm worshiping the devil. When we're not connected to him, we are open to everything but him. It wasn't the message, but that's free. <laughs> so now, because we, we value the prioritize the connection to Jesus, we realize that without him, I'm a stupid moron. Was that too harsh? <laughs> I, I said me. I didn't say you. You're not, but I am. I'm an idiot without him. I don't mean that false humility. Verse 58 says, therefore, because this connection to Jesus is the most important thing in your life, therefore, because of that, my beloved brethren, be, say the next word, steadfast. Steadfast, what does it mean? He says, be steadfast and immovable. 
Two words. Steadfast and immovable. Those two words are synonyms. Sorry. Just feel the presence of God. And I need the presence of God. Be steadfast and immovable. Get it together. The word steadfast means to be firmly established in one's position or opinions unwavering. Because of my connection to Jesus, because I'm prioritizing my connection to Jesus above all else, only through that, only because of that, can I be steadfast. Here's the message to you and to me that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's saying, listen, this is vitally important. Number one, I need you to be steadfast. And what is he saying? He's saying, take a position. If we're going to be consistent in our walk with Jesus, number one, we have to establish a position. What is the big thing that they're trying to get us to do in the world today? Not take a position. The big push is don't stand for anything because you're going to offend someone. So just be in this middle ground of I don't really want to say anything firm on anything at all so I don't make anyone mad. Establish a position. If I'm going to be consistent, i got to establish a position. Now, when I think about position, don't think a position just on an issue, doctrinally, theologically, society-wise. Don't just think position like, okay, then I'm going to say this is the way. No, not, not that kind of position. Establish a position, think location. I'm not thinking establish a position like where I stand on the border, I'm, st- I'm establishing a position regarding location on who I'm standing with. When I establish my position is with Christ, through Christ, now how I should view all these other issues will come from his perspective and not someone else's. Too many times we jump to a position on an issue And we build a house on this issue and we did not ask, are we connected to the heart of Jesus first? If I'll get connected to the heart of Jesus, all of a sudden I might see that issue through a different lens than people who agree with me politically. Oh, don't go here. Don't go here. Yes, go here. Thank you, Lord. Okay. We build camps around people Instead of building camps around the throne. When, I, when, I, when he says, be steadfast, Chad, he says, establish a position. Let me, let me go to this. Acts, Acts 17, verse 30 says this. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now, oh, hear the, hear the Lord. He commands all men everywhere to do what? To Because he has appointed a day. God overlooked ignorance of the things of God. But he commands everybody to repent because he's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man. Who's the man? Jesus. (laughs) 
Jesus. He's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given us assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So when I'm taking a position, I'm taking a position on who I'm connected to, not just what I'm connected about. Jesus is my source of my position. Why does Jesus need to be your source on every issue and where you stand in life, your perspective, how you believe? Why? Because that man that you're connected to is the one who's going to be sitting on the throne that you and I will answer to. And I will not be able to say, well, Jesus, I just didn't agree with you. He will say, sorry, my word's stands forever. He's not mean about it. He's not rude about it. He's just saying, well, I think this and I think that. What Chad thinks doesn't matter at all on an issue. What Jesus thinks is all that matters. Why? Because we try and think that we love people more than Jesus does. He created people. He doesn't care what their political affiliation is. He doesn't care the color of their skin. He created all races. He created all people. So if I get connected to Jesus, then that's the perspective I need to adopt. Because at that day, when I sit before or kneel before him while he's seated, it's some, he's the one that's going to judge in righteousness. So you say, well, my news network says this, my news network says this, or my friends say this, or my friends, or on Twitter they say this, on this they say, it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what he says. Because in the end, everything's going to be judged on this. That's what he says. It once winked in ignorance, but some people say, well, I'm just not into that religion thing. That's okay. It's okay. Jesus is not into that religion thing. He's into his word. He's into his word, and everything will be held, everybody will be held, held accountable to the same thing. Everybody will be hand, handled, handed, sorry, held accountable to the same word of God. By his words is what we're going to be judged by. Let me give you this scripture. It's Colossians chapter 2. So what is our position based on? Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How are we supposed to walk in Jesus? Three things right here that I want you to see. We're talking about consistency. We're talking about establishing first. This is still under steadfast. Steadfast. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Number one, rooted. Underline the word rooted. Uh, the sermon notes are on version Bible app, by the way. I didn't have time to put them in paper form because I just put the notes together yesterday. <laughs> rooted. Rooted. What does it mean to be rooted in Jesus? It means strengthened. Supported with focus on the source. He is our source of support, strength, where we get our food, our nourishment, our health. Here's what he says. Be rooted in Jesus. For, for you gardeners or farmers, you could preach this better than anybody. The first thing a seed does, dies, opens up, roots go down before it ever comes up. Right? What is that seed doing? It's establishing support, strength, and nourishment before it ever shows itself. It stays hidden. <laughs> it stays in a secret place, establishing its strength and its stability, its source of nourishment. It's already made up its mind before it ever sees the light of day where its strength comes from. 
before it ever comes up and faces the winds, it establishes its strength. Before it ever gets up in and starts getting blown over like this, it says, I'm going to go deep first. Too many times in our walk with Jesus, we want to get up quickly and sprout up. Everybody see me. Get me on a platform. Get me a microphone. Secret place. Go deep. Get your roots. Where's your nourishment comes from? Where your strength come from? Because I promise you, the moment you pick your little head up, the enemy's going to try and chop it off. What happens? We start to give our life to Jesus. Hey, I'm going to serve God. Well, guess what? Once you make that public and make that known, all of a sudden, anybody ever relate to this? All of a sudden, things start happening, start coming against you. What is that? It's resistance to your growth. But if you establish your roots, I'm going to be consistent because even when I fail, when I screw up, when I feel lost, I go back to my roots. When I'm confused, I'm in despair, I feel like a failure, I go back to my roots and I say, all I know to do is to worship Jesus, to praise him, to read my Bible, to pray and say, God, help me, I can't do it without you. You're my source. Got to go back to my roots. Somebody say rooted. Number two, he says, don't just be rooted in him, but now you got to be built up in him. The word built up there means to continue, to continue to build upon, to further the process of increase. So built up in him. What does that mean? To continue to grow in him, building upon what you currently have, show progress, don't be satisfied. Here's the message that he was saying through our relationship with Jesus. Number one, be steadfast. Establish a position. Once you establish that position, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue to be built up. So you're going to be rooted. My source is here. Now I'm going to keep building on it. In other words, don't stop growing. Don't get saved. Say, I prayed the prayer. I got my ticket out of hell. I'm going to heaven. It's cruise control the rest of the way. No, 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 no. Continue. Built up in him. Built up in him. I want to grow more today than I was six months ago. I want to be closer to God. I want to know more about the Bible today than I did six months ago. Forget 10 years ago. I want to, be, I want to know more than I did before. So what are we doing to build upon what God's already doing in your life? That's a question. Are you building? Or are you sustaining? Are you surviving or are you building? People say, well, it's not a time to build. It's time just to hang on and survive. I, I beg to differ. In the face of the pandemic, in the face of things going on in the world, it's time for the church to build. Hey, this is time the church has been punched in the mouth. People are staying away from church all over. People aren't coming. People, we just need to just relax, stay home, and just survive. No, we don't. We need to build the kingdom of heaven. We need to go forward with strength. I was praying about this. Uh, and how does time get away so fast? I was praying about this, and, uh, you know, I, I've been here a long time. And so I was, I was trying to calculate, but it didn't matter. That's not the point of the story. I was praying about this, and we prayed about, you know, new building or something like that. And I've, I've felt the Lord 
drop in my heart, it's time to build. So I'm meeting with a design builder. Uh, it was supposed to be yesterday, Friday, but snow kind of canceled that. But anyway, we're, we're leaning in. God, we want to build the kingdom of heaven. Not just in other locations. We want to, if you want to build a new building here for more people, then we'll build that. We'll, we just want to keep building his vision, not ours, to reach more people, more communities like North Carolina, like Carlinville, like Mount Carmel, wherever it may be. Where, yeah, I'm not going to start naming towns, so never mind. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all them. Held that in. I ran that around the track, and it crashed in turn number three. So look at it. Rooted. So rooted, we go down deep, we establish our source. Look at your neighbor and say, establish your source. Then number two, we're built up. Tell them don't stop growing. Keep building, keep building. And established in the faith. Established, here's that word established. That means to increase in inner strength. With the implication of greater firmness of character or attitude. Oh, man, this is a whole sermon. Let me look. I'm going to look at my new Bible. I don't have this highlighted yet, so forgive me. There it is. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted. My source is Jesus. I'm rooted in him built up in him. I'm going to keep growing. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to put on cruise control. I'm going to keep growing in the things of God and established in the faith. Established in the faith. Here's what it means. To strengthen my inner strength because of external opposition. Here's what we need in consistency. When he said to, to, let's just say he's saying it to us because I believe he is. He said, be steadfast. Be steadfast. He's saying all three of these things in that term. Establish your source. Keep growing. Keep growing. And then be established in your inner character. Oh, man. He's saying be established in the faith. And he's saying this to you and I individually. In other words, what mom thinks, dad thinks, parents thinks, kids thinks, relatives, friends, it doesn't matter. You, are you established in your faith? In your character? In your conviction? In your morality? Because the tempter's coming, man. He's master tempter, and he's coming. And if it's not established in your heart, then we will say things like, well, I'm just trying. It's not established yet. When it's established, when the temptation comes to look at that image, you say, no, in Jesus' name, I'm established that my eyes will not behold unclean things. When I'm established, I will not listen to voices that's going to take me down the wrong path. I'm, I'm established. If, if none go with me, still I will follow. Why? Because I'm established on this one thing. This is a whole message. I wanna, being steadfast is about establishing our position. Be unwavering. 
Let me say this. You know there's a difference in hearing something or even knowing something and being established in something. There's a difference in knowing something. Oh, I know that. Right. I know a lot of things that I don't always walk established in. He's saying, listen, I want you to be established in the faith. Established in it. It's your faith. Not anybody else's. What are you established in? What, what is just knowledge? I know that. I, how many times have we done it? I know scripture so much or I know the, the Christianese phrases. I know church so well that I push back the, the, the intensity of pursuing Jesus because I think it's just about these formalities. And I, I overlook, uh, well, I know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then do we know that for God so loved me. So loved me that he gave Jesus, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit in heaven, saying, hey, we're going to come up with a redemptive plan to win back humanity. Who's humanity? We haven't created them yet. But when we create them, they're going to fall. So I want to come up with a redemptive plan before the foundations of the world. And the father said, I've got a plan. And they're all in unity. And Jesus said, I like that plan, father. I'll go. I'll go initiate your plan. I will leave the comforts of home. I will leave heaven. Some people don't understand what Jesus did. They think he just zipped from heaven down to earth and he's back there and nothing changes. It cost him everything. He left his divinity in heaven, humbled himself, took on the form of a man, became one of his own creation. The creator of the universe enters the womb of a woman. He comes to execute the plan. So we got this plan. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. The Holy Spirit said, oh, okay, okay. I'll bring you back. When you die, I'll bring you back. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Romans chapter 8. So that this plan of heaven was put together. And he says, be established in this plan. Don't be established in church alone. Be established in the gospel that someday I will stand before the creator of the universe. And he will say, Chad, what did you do with my son? He will look, he will open the book. Not this book. He will open the book of my life. And because I'm at the judgment seat of Christ, all he will see is the blood. 
Because there will be failures upon failures upon failures upon failures upon failures in my book. But he doesn't see that now because he sees the blood. So here's what I want to say. I want to close with this. James chapter 5 verse 8. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Would you bow your heads with me today, please? I just want to ask a simple question. Uh, is your heart established? The coming of the Lord is going to happen. You may say, well, I, Chad, I don't believe that. They've been saying that my whole life. It doesn't matter. He's coming. I don't know when. I don't know exactly when. But he's coming. Have you established your heart? Where do you stand with Jesus right now? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.